Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. Today I am super excited. Uh, I saw this book actually on Facebook first, went to the website, and immediately downloaded this book on my Kindle. Uh, I believe this is the Rogers Rules for Success or the Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People for Our Generation. This is the book that you must have if you are truly going to shape your life and shape the future. The book is called The Entrepreneur Mind. The author is Kevin Johnson. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to, to talk with you about the book and, and anything else that you feel is applicable. Well, there you go. Well, I, as I said, I think this book is uh one of the best of the best i went through all 100 uh it's what you call essential beliefs characteristics and habits of elite entrepreneurs and uh we we always hear this term success uh has legs or success has tracks uh and in this book is true you have interviewed talked to a lot of successful people as well as yourself and let's kind of you know set the tone here of being a, a very, very young, self-made multimillionaire uh, in your own business, coming from Morehouse. Uh, and give us a little bit of background about you and how you got to be who you are, and then we can take it from there and go into some of the details of the book and, and why you wrote this thing. Thanks again, sure. Well, you know, I like to start off with how I got into business, and I often hear stories of of some other successful people who say, you know, I had a lemonade stand when I was four or, you know, I had a paper route when I was 12. It, it wasn't that with me at all. In fact, I thought the only way was to go into corporate America and, and lead a life uh, in, in that manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I Until I got to college and I was able to recognize an opportunity and when I saw the benefits from uh, ceasing that opportunity and and moving forward, that's when I got the entrepreneurial bug. And so uh, my story is a a little bit different in that respect. So uh, to give you the the short version, I I basically created a website my sophomore year in college. I received a call from a company that was very interested in advertising. They offered me an amount that for at the time I thought was a lot. That amount was $1,800. And so that was my first check in business, and I haven't looked back since then. Uh, And I think we're now looking at not $1,800 checks, but I think we're looking at a $40 million company. Yes, uh, and that's uh, an accurate 
uh, number based on our most recent project that we're working on. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's taken a good 13 years to be able to go from, from 1800 to uh, managing and winning $40 million contracts. So I, I'm excited to tell people through the book how I embarked on that journey. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still a journey. I tell uh, my wife and, and my friends and, and even you now, I feel somewhat like uh, an NFL star in the sense that my my contract isn't guaranteed unless I perform. <laughs> you know, right? Whereas the NBA and the MLB, those guys have guaranteed contracts. So we're we're excited, but we're we're at work. <laughs> Amen for that, brother. <laughs> right, right. Now, uh, you know, so why why did you decide to do the book? I want to talk to you also about just going from you know the eighteen hundred dollar. Uh, first check to scaling, and how did you scale up to forty million? But I really want to talk first about how did you, where did the book come from, and and why did you decide to do that? Well, I had three primary motivations. One was that a lot of people in social media were giving me great feedback, and I think uh, I was encouraged by the feedback that they were giving me to go ahead and formalize what I was writing uh, and put it, <laughs> excuse me, put it into a book. So that was great to have the constant feedback via Twitter and Facebook and, and other social media platforms. The second motivation was my, my son. At the time when I started writing, he was about six months old, and I, I thought, I need to get moving because uh, he requires a lot of attention. <laughs> if I don't... Mm-hmm. You know, get this done, uh, it may never happen. And then finally, the third motivation is that I, I love to mentor entrepreneurs, uh, whether they're younger or, or older. I, I enjoy helping people to avoid the mistakes I've made. And I figure, what better way to do that than to put it in a book uh, and, and make it available for uh, hundreds, thousands, and who knows, one day, hopefully millions. Oh, that that's coming very, very soon. Uh, if, if, if I predicted correctly, this you'll be in the millions long before uh, the end of the year. Uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Talk to me about scaling. How did you scale? How did you prepare for the scale uh, from that $1,800 to $40 million? A lot had to go in between that 13 years. Well, you know, I talk a lot about having great mentors. One of my uh, well, one of the greatest mentors that I've had, and I still have to a certain degree, is uh, Kent Matlock here in Atlanta, Georgia, who has been a pioneer in the marketing and communications and public relations space, and he's been really helpful um, and and helping me understand what's needed to scale. And in fact, when uh, I started to get uh, RFPs, requests for proposals to do work for multi-million dollar uh, projects and companies. I, I went to Ken and I said, Ken, I need to know what exactly a million dollar uh, proposal looks like. I think mm-hmm. I have, you know, I think I have the team. I think I have the ability. I just, I need to see what it looks like. I mean, how often do you have someone who's willing to share what that specific proposal that they put forward uh, looks like that won multiple millions of dollars. So, you know, I've heard you've got to to see it, to to be it, and and different uh, combinations and 
permutations of that saying, what have you. And I think it's true because that really helped me to, to say, like, wow, that's what it looks like. We can do that, you know? <laughs> so it's not. We got a little work to do. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and and uh, so that really helped. And again, he's he's been helpful as, as well as others to understand how how to scale and and and, and do it. That's fantastic. All right, let's get into. I mean, again, this is a, it's an incredible uh, book. Uh, easy read, makes complete sense. Uh, for some, uh, of course, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so of course I would probably be a little bit biased, but to some, I think it will shock them, uh, break their brain, you know, move them out of uh, some uh, aspect of conformity uh, and, and, and complacency uh, in their life because some of the, the uh, 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 rules of entrepreneurship that you have are, are quite shocking. Now, one that, you know, most people don't really think about when they're going into business is just the first rule, think big. Uh, why is it important to think big as opposed to just go out and open up a business? Right. And, you know, I, I put this concept first because in mentoring a lot of college students, uh, specifically uh, that are coming out of the Atlanta University Center, I, I, I see youngsters that have tremendous talent. And uh, unfortunately, because of either the environment or just their limited thinking, they focus on a target demographic or they just don't see the big picture necessarily. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give you a quick example because I had to learn this myself. So once I created a content management system in about 1998, 99 with a good friend of mine, uh, we thought that that content management system would only be best served uh, would only best serve uh, small publications. Uh, so we thought on a smaller scale. So we never thought that Omni Publisher could one day be like what everyone knows now, WordPress. Right? You say mm -hmm. WordPress. Mm -hmm. People understand what that is, and they just celebrated a decade of existence. So, you know, we predated WordPress, but we didn't understand that that functionality could translate to not only a small publication needing a database uh, website, but the average Susie who just wants to blog and have a voice online. So, you know, that's what I'm, I'm thinking when I, I talk about thinking big, being able to apply great ideas to a larger target and then mm -hmm. executing it. And so often it takes uh, the same amount of energy to pursue a small idea as it does to pursue a bigger idea. Very well said. Absolutely. That is so true. You also talk about reasons why businesses fail. You said there are basically two. Uh, one is not surviving beyond its, its start date or startup. Uh, the other one is reaching its full potential, and I thought that really struck me. Why is not reaching your full potential in business more devastating uh, to you, in your opinion? I, I and this comes from uh, my opinion about this comes from working with uh, companies here in, in Georgia and really helping them to go from what we considered a stage uh, one company to a stage two or a stage two company to a stage three. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, being a serial entrepreneur, you know, it, it's a, sometimes a really big hurdle to get from one stage to the next, but it's it's almost exponential once you do. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in thinking overall of of the profits and the revenues that companies could generate if they could get over that hurdle, uh, that means so much more in terms of jobs and economic growth. And so, you know, my my opinion, as controversial as it may be, is that you know it's we're doing a disservice by being complacent or happy entrepreneurs with where we are. So, you know, I I understand there, and I think this is a recent term, um, uh, lifestyle entrepreneurs. Uh, That's fine, but I think uh, there are a lot of friends of mine, a lot of people that I've come across who want to maintain their living standard but have so much more to offer the world and and the business world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, Let's let's talk about... um uh, you know, you, you, you say building a company that that um, based on that systems dependent versus people dependent. Um, when you say that, what do you mean? Wow, and this is one concept that I really liked uh, and that I learned early on. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Michael Gerber, talks about this, and uh, and, and others. Uh, it's it's basically removing yourself. Or, or removing the dependency on on yourself uh, in your business, uh, and to use a line from from Gerber, you don't want to work in your business; you want to work on your business. And so mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. building the processes uh, and putting things in place so that if you were to get hit by a bus today, things could could still run. So that means putting together manuals, uh, uh, instructions for people to do specific tasks. Uh, one of the examples that I use in the book is, is that of, of Henry, Henry Ford and, and the way he revolutionized business uh, with the systems he put in place to build cars, uh, quality cars, rapidly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, you know, a lot of us are very familiar with that, and I think if we were to take that approach with our businesses, uh, more of us would have the business working for us than us being overworked or working in the business unnecessarily. I like that. I like that. I, I, I share your your uh, uh, love for the uh, reality show Shark Tank as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good show, you know. And and the, the great thing about that show too is that my wife, who is uh, not entrepreneurial. Uh, and, and will admit that she's not entrepreneurial, um, proudly, loves that show too. And, and it, it's great because she picks up on the same things that I pick up on. Uh, and I'll give you a quick example. You know, when an entrepreneur is talking about how great the idea is, you know, my wife will yell out, what are your sales? And then, you know, <laughs> and so the entrepreneur will go through all of this this uh, dog and pony show to say that they have no sales or they're they're negative and and that they need the investors' help to to get them to the point of profitability. And and my wife is like, I don't buy it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it goes into, uh, you know, Henry Ford, in, in your book, you, you had another quote in there because you were talking about creating new markets as opposed to just doing the same thing or improving something that's already been out there, but actually creating new markets. And I I, I'm, I have to paraphrase, but I think Henry Ford said, you know, if I had have done that, uh, I would have just built, um, uh, uh, you know, better horse. Uh, I would have. 
<laughs> yeah, when I first read that, I was like, wow, that is a great quote. Isn't <laughs> that an that. awesome quote, man? I'm so glad you found that, man. That was incredible. Yeah, so, had you heard that before? I had never heard that quote ever. That was the first today oh, was the yeah. first time I heard it. <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I love that. So talk to me about creating new markets and the and the efficacy of that and, and because it creates it, it obviously calls for, you know, great insight, great, you know, uh, ingenuity and innovation to create something that hasn't, you know, really been done before, to take something and change it so much and make it so radical that it is brand spanking new. Yeah, and, you know, I learned this concept organically. I, I really didn't know when I started my first company, first business, which was the website, that I was creating a new market. Uh, I was creating a, a college website that was needed because a lot of the companies that wanted to target students couldn't get to those students on campuses because the schools didn't uh, want them to be on campus or the schools just weren't interested in what they were trying to hear or say. So there was a tremendous demand for that. Uh, and I, I was able to benefit from that experience early on. But, you know, this, this concept is is not that new, and, and I really love how uh, the authors of Blue Ocean Strategy positioned it. You know, they went through some very specific cases of companies that have uh, repositioned themselves or created new markets or innovated, and now they own that space. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. talked about the... Apple and the iPhone, I, I talk about Yellowtail and Cirque du Soleil a little bit in the book, uh, which also is uh, highlighted in, in Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> not only is creating a new market great, but applying processes from another industry to a, uh, a new industry is, is also a great idea as well. You know, mm-hmm. you can take something mm-hmm. that works. For example, in the automotive industry, uh, maybe perhaps a, a, a process and apply that to, uh, let's say, the, the computer industry, there could be an opportunity there, too. Uh, I like that. Now, uh, as, as I said, some of the uh, rules uh, or, or ideas and concepts that you have here of, the, of, of these uh, entrepreneurial mindsets, uh, some are very controversial, and I absolutely love controversy. Because uh, so, <laughs> it sells and it works, uh, and that's your differentiating factor. Uh, but one that I have lived uh, that I didn't expect to see uh, in this book, but I actually lived through this, uh, is business comes first, family comes second. Ooh, that that's like a third rail. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. Oh, my God. I believe, uh, and, you know, Robert Kiyosaki I've interviewed for, I've been interviewing him for 20 years. I, I don't know any other person that I have ever met, that I, not even Robert, that has come clean with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I so appreciate you for for putting this in print. I can't even imagine, I can't even begin to tell you my my adoration uh, uh, of your honesty. Speak to us about well, this because obviously you know you had a story in the book about this and it was just absolutely incredible. All <laughs> right. Well, well, first let me say when I, I put this particular section online to get some feedback, boy did I get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got one tweet 
from a friend of mine who's also an entrepreneur, a professional speaker. Uh, he says, man, you, you're bold for putting that out there, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and I get it. And he said, that's where you're separating the the uh, the, the elite and, and the not-so-elite because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not politically correct to say, but I think in the way I talk about it in the book, everybody can agree that most people's priority is is work, sadly enough, because they uh, they well not necessarily sadly because of course I, I espouse that that's a high and the highest priority, but it's just the reality of it. I mean, we spend uh, most of us spend forty hours a, a week working. Uh, and you know you have so many uh, free days or vacation days. I mean your priority is work. You've got to pay bills. Um, and so you know, God you forbid. Know, you know the other but, thing that I got from that though is, uh, and I saw it in you, and I see it in all the entrepreneurs that I have uh, interviewed over the years. And that is simply if you, and and, and this applies to women as well. If you do not pursue your dream, that burning itch bug or whatever you want to call it within you that's that's under the umbrella of entrepreneur, you can have a great family, but you're not going to be emotionally invested in the present. I mean, you're just not going to be there because you're not fulfilling your destiny. Oh wow, that's that's a wonderful perspective that I, that I love too. Maybe maybe I'll have to put that in the next uh, version of the book and send you a royalty check. But that is so true. Yeah, that is so true because you I know, mean, imagine so waking up somebody coming to you, Kevin, and say, "You cannot do what you have done. You cannot do what you are doing. But you need to go and raise a family and and figure it out." You will. You not. You're not going to be happy because you're, you're, you're in the back of your mind. There's going to be this itch and gnaw in your soul saying, "Dude, you can do more. There's more out here to do, uh, and you're not doing it. Why not? Why are you not living to your fullest potential?" Right. I I, I just wish that you could explain it as eloquently to those people on Twitter that. Man, they, <laughs> they they had it for me, man. They said, "Ah, oh, you you were a great blogger until you posted that one." <laughs> well, guess what? You sep- as, as as you said, the guy separates this here separates the uh, entrepreneur from the elite entrepreneur. So, uh, I, I commend you. I commend you. Commend you. Commend you for that. Uh, let's talk about firing our worst customers. <laughs> yeah, that's I another. love that, man. The customer's supposed to be always right, but you are out here saying, you know what, I am going to let go of some of these customers because they're just not acting right. They don't fit the right value system that I that I attribute to. <laughs> yes, and you've said it eloquently once again. I, I think that's a subtle testimony. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you can just have some customers that, and this is, Specific or, or mostly uh, in the services industry. I mean, especially in the professional services industry, the, the space that we're in, you've just got clients that are especially demanding, uh, just not a pleasure to work with. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you have to make a decision uh, is this profitable, not only, uh, you know, with, with money, but with my peace of mind, <laughs> and so sometimes mm-hmm. it, 
inspires you to say, you know, I'm not going to chase the money. There are other great clients out there. And that's been a, a principle that's really served as well because we've had our share of really bad customers uh, more so in previous years than now. And now we know what to look for, and we really enjoy working with, with our clients. Mm-hmm. You see those red flags and you say, okay, I'm not going to even – uh, open to the conversation. So, you know, thank you for the email. No, we're not interested. That That's right. And it takes a certain level of maturity to be able to do that again because, and especially in this economy where, sure. you know, um, uh, budgets are shrinking and companies are cutting things and, and reallocating dollars and, you know, you feel like you have to take certain clients to, to thrive, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I would disagree to a certain point. You just got to do a better job of finding great clients. Uh, another controversial one is find an enemy. Yes, that one is also um, quite controversial. A little less than the the, the others, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> perspective, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and it's funny because a lot of people have really liked this one because they never really thought about finding an enemy, especially in an industry where there are a lot of players, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mentioned the professional services arena again. I mean, if you're a, a one-man or two-man, three-man woman shop of attorneys, you may not be looking at the competitive landscape as closely as you could. But I think in identifying an, an enemy, you uh, sort of enter in this, this gamification realm that helps to fire up people and inspire them and and, and, and uh, benchmark some of the, the things that you're doing. I love it. Now, you are considered to be, uh, even though in entrepreneurial, year, in entrepreneurial year, you're probably about 150, but in actual chronolog- chronological years, you're pretty young. You're considered to be a young entrepreneur. And there's always been a controversy about um, becoming an entrepreneur or getting a regular job and getting a regular education to get a job or even a high-paying job because, of course, there's some high-paying jobs out there in terms of certain levels of academia. You say school is not necessarily education, uh, and I just love that because I think that, especially in this economy, these kids are coming out of college and there's nothing there uh, really left but to be an entrepreneur. Talk to us about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward in that you've got to continue your learning. It's it's that simple. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, you may know him, he's also from the Atlanta area, and coincidentally he just released a book too, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough uh, oh, mentioned yeah. – yeah, we were talking in, in Columbus at uh, the BE conference about how elite entrepreneurs read, read constantly. I think his metric was, from his research, they read a book every week or every two weeks. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what, that's pretty consistent with, with me. Uh, and I, I went ahead to tell him that I, I don't even have cable. I haven't had cable in almost 15 years. Can you believe it? And when I tell people that, they laugh, uh, especially because my wife, who's a, an anchor and reporter, she told me when <laughs> when we got married, she says, okay, Kevin, you're going to have to get cable. That's one of the conditions of, of our marriage. Uh, 
so, you know, even she, as long as she gets network television, she's okay. Uh, but, oh, you know, the benefits of being able to just focus on reading and, and, and educating ourselves and not, you know, veering off too much uh, with entertainment and TV is, is, is so important. And it's funny, I told that story to Dr. Kimbrough, and he said, you know what? That was part of my survey, too. A lot of them didn't have cable or watch it either. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll be a subject in one of his next books. But, yeah, I think you've definitely got to continue reading. And In fact, I've noticed the more I read, the more money I make. So there's a direct correlation there. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that I love about this one, and this also now also let me know that you were, were an elite uh, thinker or elite thinker, uh, because I remember talking to Kiyosaki about this 10 years ago or more, and that is choose your spouse wisely. Oh, man, you're, you're picking all the good ones. I mean, oh, that dude, one. You have no idea. I'm telling you, this is the book of books in terms of entrepreneurialism. I'm, I, I am going to be out there on, on, you know, with a poster, man, just standing out there on the street saying, get this book. I'm telling you, I am your biggest fan and advocate hey. of this. This is incredible. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll have to work out something where we can do a promo or you know, get you more involved because I, I think uh, with your network we can we can definitely blow it out of the water, so to speak. But uh, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. Um, so, but yeah, so I mean, now you obviously did great. You picked the right spouse. I uh, have the story of not picking the right spouse, getting out of that situation, and having to completely restart and reboot. So I got it. Wow. I got the lesson and understand the consequences of not choosing the correct spouse. And the consequences can be pretty severe. You think? <laughs> they can be pretty severe, yeah. Can you say soup kitchen, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, uh... Oh, oh no! Wow, that's that's pretty severe. Well, you know the, the the good thing though is that if if you are an elite entrepreneur, or even if you've just got that fire under your belly, you'll you'll be able to bounce back. I, I love to hear Dick Ramsey's story about how he lost or made his first million, lost it all, and he's back on top of the world and has learned from his mistakes. So, you know, we all go through ups and downs, and it it just may, may be that. Uh, you're down, maybe the, the spouse that you've chosen. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I talk about that in, in the book and just how important it is that you find the right spouse. And then, you know, uh, another a fellow author who did the Millionaire Mind actually did an extensive study about how millionaires, the great majority of them, are married and um, have that supportive spouse from the very beginning. So that's not to be ignored. That is absolutely true. Uh, here's another good one. Um, uh, like I said, there's a hundred of these, and Lord knows I would love to just ask you about each one, but then what the hell would anybody buy the book for? Uh, so, <laughs> just get the audio download and listen to the interview. Uh, we want to talk about this because this is something also that has, has been a, a, a bane of my uh, entrepreneurial years uh, in having to deal with certain uh, uh, type of folks. You say a nine to five is worse worse than death. <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel that way. That's cold blooded, baby boy. That's cold blooded. That's cold. I mean, worse than death. All of the nine to five people. So, you, you, do you still have a Twitter account? Uh, I uh, you said a Twitter account? 
Yeah, I mean, do you still have Twitter followers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I do, uh, surprisingly uh, because enough. Because, I mean, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, that's talking about controversial people who are 9 to 5, uh, uh, and I know some who are in the six-figure range, and I I tell them, you are more vulnerable being a six-figure 9 to 5 person than you would be a five-figure a, a five player uh, because – you are one paycheck literally away from losing everything that you have ever uh, known. You have no idea of the vulnerability. But I have my own opinion. I want to hear yours. Well, I, I think my thought process on this and why it's uh, worse than death <laughs> is because <laughs> of the, the experiences that I've, that I've had. Um, and you know what? It, it, it's crazy and outlandish as that sounds. When you you see the studies on fear, you know most people's number one fear is is public speaking, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how crazy is that? You know, <laughs> so I think I'm in line with with my crazy fear, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but yeah, I've just had some some unfortunate experiences in, in corporate America where. Uh, my creativity and my ability abilities are stifled um because of the corporate structure. So for me at that young age it wasn't even about uh making the money. It was about being able to express myself creative, uh, creatively mm-hmm. and if I, mm-hmm. then you know I might as well be be dead. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, that's about following your passion. So, yeah, if you chose to stay in that situation and see yourself smaller than you uh, really are in the world, guess what? You know, you, you know, it, it, I, I just wish more people would wake up to their true calling and their destiny. Amen. Uh, yeah. Um, this one was really powerful. Following your passion is bogus. Ah, man, you're getting all the good ones. I'm going to have to uh, uh, end this a little early. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I want people to understand that there's a hundred of these. I've only given out probably about ten or so. Uh, So that kind of gives you an idea of the power of this book. Now, I read, obviously, more than a book a week because I'm interviewing all the, you know, the most brilliant minds in the world every single day. Awesome. For a book to stop me and put, put me in a chair for however long it took me to read this book, that's a powerful piece of work because I've read everything and know every one. So I'm saying wow. to people who are listening to this right now that this is not a rah-rah, shish-boom-ba, personal endorsement to go out and buy the book so he can make so Kevin can make some money. I'm saying that if you are truly going to be an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur or are struggling in your entrepreneurial shift, this is a book that you cannot be and do without. I'm just telling you, based upon all of the books that I have read, all of the people that I have interviewed, this I believe is going to start the next trend. This is this is. You remember when the Matrix came out and it was like it changed the way movies were made. This oh, wow. is this is kind of like that book for me in terms of entrepreneurialism, and I I just think it's unbelievable that you did it in such a succinct way uh, that was such an easy read. So I just can't commend you enough on it. So anyway, 
following well, you know, passion is bogus. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry to I, interrupt I, you. Very quickly, that uh, the biggest compliment or the most common compliment that I've gotten is is the voice of the book. Uh, a lot of yeah. business books will use uh, terminology or jargon that just really discourages those who don't have an interest in learning that jargon but want to be entrepreneurial. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's one of the biggest appeals of the book, that you can sit down and read it uh, and you can understand it almost as, as if they were uh, parables, uh, I've heard one person yeah, say. That's a good word. Sure, that's a very good word, yes. That's exactly uh, right. So you learn huge concepts through through a simple approach, and then you'll learn the stories, you'll learn the concepts, and, and they'll be a part of you as you move forward in your entrepreneurial journey. I like that. I like that. So so let's go back to this. To this, I'm, and this, I'm going to make this one the last one, so because you know there's more. But I see Kevin is getting a little antsy. This is going to be. But following your passion is bogus. I thought that was powerful. Talk to us about what do you mean by that? Yeah. And this is one of the, the mantras that, that's going around uh, quite often. And, you know, I, I've run across people who say, you know, I, I see an opportunity. It's not necessarily my passion, but I still mm-hmm. want to pursue it because I think it's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a different type of entrepreneur. That's a different level. Uh, I think it's a higher level to a certain degree because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm is an opportunity that you may not like or you may not be passionate about to the point where you can grow it and sell it and move on to the next one or find other people to run it. So I think the follow your passion mantra is for those who uh, really want to work in their business, not necessarily on their business. So, mm, I like that. Yeah, that's that's the rationale behind that. I like that, that differentiation. I like that. Yes, that makes complete, yes. total sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. How can people get in contact with this book and get in contact with you, Kevin? How can people? What's the web address? I want them to go get it right now. The uh, web address is theentrepreneurmind.com, and that's theentrepreneurmind.com. And if you have a little difficulty spelling the entrepreneur mind or entrepreneur, I should say, you can pop it into Google or Amazon, and, and you'll still find me. So don't let that intimidate you. Uh, and, yeah, I would love to also uh, communicate with you via Twitter. Uh, my handle is at bizwiz. Kevin, that's B-I-Z, W-I-Z, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N. Fantastic. All right, my friend, I obviously have to ask you, would you please come back on the show? Oh, man, yeah. There's no way I could get through all of this content in in one show, man. You are incredible. People need to hear you more often. This is great. I want you back on the show. I, I would love to, and, and you know, one of the questions that I, uh, I often get is, when is the next book coming? So I, I think uh, I have in me another hundred. So who knows? If not in the immediate future, uh, future rather, uh, perhaps a little bit further out, you'll see a, a version two coming. Well, that's fantastic, but you've got enough in this one to basically to uh, take up about ten good shows. So I'm just saying, <laughs> oh, we, can milk, we can milk this cow while we have it right here because this is incredible. People need to download this, reread it, reread it, and apply it and make it become a behavior. <laughs>